We're going to begin in James chapter 3. Excuse me, James chapter 4. I'm going to get it together. James chapter 4, verse 13 through 17. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Our lives here on earth, the Bible says it's just a vapor in the view of eternity. The NIV says it's a mist that appears for a little while. And we just need to realize that our time here on earth, it's limited. It's, and in view of eternity, it's just a mist that fades away quickly. However many years, however many days, however many hours that we have, they make up our life here on the earth. And it's that time that we have is precious. See, it, it is priceless to us. You know, people say time is money. Oh, no. Time is worth way more than money. But this passage, I want you to understand, it is not teaching us that we shouldn't make plans. He's talking about this, this one that boasts and brags about what they're going to do. Well, this passage isn't teaching us we shouldn't make plans. Only fools live for the moment. Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, 34, don't worry about tomorrow. And in the King James Version, it says, take no thought for the morrow. But Jesus was talking about not worrying and instead trusting God. He wasn't saying that we should never have a plan for tomorrow. <laughs> See, some people want to take this the wrong way. You know, I mean, if you take this the wrong way, well, that means uh, you don't need a retirement. You don't need Social Security. You don't need any insurance. You don't even need an alarm clock. Right? I mean, Jesus didn't have an alarm clock. Some of you getting an idea there, right? <laughs> Just... I don't know how your boss is going to handle that. But anyway, Jesus wasn't saying just live for the moment. See, there's too much of that attitude. In fact, the attitude of the day is, is play now, pay later. And I want you to know that's, that attitude has destroyed a lot of people financially. It's also destroyed people's lives in other ways too. But so many just want to live for the moment and then they pay with the rest of their lives. You know, if we're wise, we're going to have plans for tomorrow. We're not supposed to live a haphazard life, but instead we ought to live life on purpose. We ought to have some plans. We ought to live a life with meaning. We ought to, here it is, make it count. Don't waste it. You make it count. We ought to plan, but you see, we ought to do it with a humble heart, always submitted to the will of God. 
not saying I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. We're boasting and bragging. He says all that kind of boasting is evil. And you know what? There's a whole lot of that that goes on in our world. People say I'm doing this and I'm going to do that with no regard for God. And we need to be careful that in our plans, yes, have plans. In our plans, we, our hearts are humble and we are submitted to his will. Our plan, we want it to be what his plan is for us. We want, we want to fulfill his will and his purpose in our lives. And we want to make it count. You know, after uh, graduation, someone asked a high school senior, uh, what are your plans? And he said, well, I think I'm going to go to McDonald's and get a hamburger. Some people don't plan further than their next meal. That's not how you make it count. I just want you to realize it. See, not having any plans, that's not how you make it count. People that live that way, they don't usually make much count. You know, God tells us to learn from the ants. Ants prepare for the lean times. They store up when they can. And I want you to know this is not written for ants. This is written for people. That we, we should be as smart as an ant and we should store up when we can. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that go to extremes about some teachings about, you know, not, not storing up. And, and I, I want you to understand, we don't store up where moth and rust corrupt, but... We should be storing up and being wise in how we live and having plans for tomorrow. But those verses that we read in James, it's not saying don't have any plans. It's just saying that we have to pursue the will of God every day, not just do our thing. See, it's not only foolish but evil to say, See, he said, he said it's evil. It's not only foolish, but it's evil to say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that apart from the will of God. See, but we need to be ready for tomorrow. More importantly, we need to be ready for eternity. See, we shouldn't live our lives with no regard for tomorrow, but we especially shouldn't live our lives with no regard for the things of eternity. Don't take tomorrow for granted. But don't take eternity for granted either. You know, most people assume that tomorrow is just going to be another day. Just another day. But in a blink of an eye, everything can change. Countless stories of those that were here one moment and gone the next. But even apart from being gone, oh, how things can change in just a moment, in just one day. But our life is a vapor, it said, a mist that appears for a little while. You got to make it count. Luke 12, 16 through 21, Jesus speaks a parable. He says, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful, plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do since I have no more room to store my crops? So he said, I'll do this. I'll pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store 
all my crops and my goods, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself, but is not rich toward God. This one tell, this tells us about that one that he, he plans for tomorrow without God in the picture. That is exactly what James was writing about. He's got his plans, but he made plans without any regard for the Lord. He had tomorrow all planned out, but he forgot to plan for eternity. You know, the, the world admires those with great wealth. Oh, y'all real quiet, but you know it's so. Somebody's got $5 billion, $10 billion, $100 billion, and people are like, wow. And the world mourns when they pass. But the real tragedy is not just the wealth that was wasted, but it's the life that was wasted. You see, the man that Jesus told about, he didn't make it count. How can we be rich toward God? It's a matter of priority that we are not living our lives just in pursuit of things, the pleasures of this life or the pursuit of happiness, but that we're living our lives for God. We're pursuing after Him. You know, the pursuit of happiness. It may be a constitutional right, but I want to tell you it has become a false God to a whole lot of people and because instead of seeking God, they're just seeking to be happy. And I'm talking about even a lot of Christians. They, they, they're not really seeking God in their life. You know, they'll save that for Sunday, maybe. But they're seeking to be happy. And it's even become so twisted that they, they make this, these kinds of statements that, well, God wants me to be happy. And they use that as an excuse. I think we talked about that Sunday, right? As an excuse for even disobeying God. Well, God wants me to be happy. But when we live our lives in selfish pursuits, we always end up wasting it. Jesus said when we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, he said all that other stuff's going to be added to you. And yet people run after that stuff. And you see, but it's seeking his kingdom and his righteousness. That's how we make the most of it. What really matters is what we do for God, that we further His kingdom, that we fulfill His purpose in our lives, that we make the most of every day. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16, I want to read this from the NIV. It says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. We are to be very careful how we live. Are you very careful how you live? I'm not talking about being fearful. That's not at all what it's talking about. 
We're not talking about being anxious. You know, some people equate that word careful with just, you're talking about being anxious. Oh, no, no, no. We're not talking about that at all. We're talking about being wise. We're talking about not just living a haphazard life. See, this is kind of the cool thing in our day is just to kind of be reckless. No, we're supposed to be wise and be careful that we make the most of every opportunity. You got to make it count. You can't just live haphazard. You know, throw caution to the wind. No, we got to make it count. We got to act like it matters because it does. It is unwise to waste your life on things that don't matter. So you got to be careful how you live. You need to make sure that we're rich toward God. You know, the man Jesus told about in this story, he reaped a harvest. And I just wanted to tell you that, you know, you, you got to go to work. You got to provide for your family. You, you, you got to pay bills. Yes, we're supposed to do all those things. You're supposed to make a living. But we need to understand that life is not just about those things. No, there are more important things than just paying the bills. I'm telling you, you can pay the bills and you can make a lot of money and have a lot in the bank and build you a bigger barn. And yet it won't make a difference and it won't matter if you forget about the things of God and the things that are really important. See, we can plan our day. We can plan our career. We can plan our retirement but we better not leave God out of any of it. What we do with this life will determine what we reap in this life, but it'll also determine our reward in heaven. This is a really strange thing. There's a lot of goofy ideas that Christians have today. Uh, and I just got to meddle just a little bit, all right? You know, it concerns me a lot that a lot of people get their uh, political ideas and opinions from a meme. But what really concerns me is a lot of Christians get their beliefs and their doctrines from memes they saw on Facebook. Just stick with the Bible. You'll be all right. it, It had a verse in it. Just stick with the scripture, all right? But... Here's one of those goofy ideas, is that when we get to heaven, we're all going to have the same reward. That is not in the Bible at all. There are going to be some who are considered to be wealthy. There are going to be some, the Bible says, that they make it in, yet so as by fire. They got in with just, just themselves. That's it. I'm just telling you that, well, Jesus says, Revelation 22, 12, he says, Behold, I, come, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to everybody the same. No, to give to everyone according to his work. I want to make it count. How about you? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing about rewards in eternity. You see, rewards here, they fade away quickly. You know, they didn't give them away like they do now, but 
You know, when I was a kid, I had a few baseball trophies. And I had quite a few uh, horse riding trophies, roping and whatever else. And you, you know where all those things are? They're in a landfill or a ditch somewhere. I don't even care. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter how big, how expensive, how what, whatever reward you get in this life is all going to burn. But those rewards are going to last for eternity. We got to make it count. Don't let the days just pass by, but be about the master's business. You know, another thing, when I was a little kid, a, a day seemed like a really, really long time. And a year, well, it seemed like eternity. But as, the, as we age, you know, the days, the months, and even the years, they just start to fly by. But here's what I can tell you, though. It doesn't matter if you live to be 50, 60, 80, 100 years old. When you get there, you look back and you go, where did it go? It was so fast. I was y'all yesterday. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yesterday when I was young. Sorry. It goes so fast. Jesus had... 33 years, but he fulfilled the will and the purpose of God. And in those 33 years, he accomplished more than all the rest of mankind together in a thousand generations. He did it all. He fulfilled the plan, the purpose of God. You know what? That's all that's required of us, that we do the will of God, that we fulfill His purpose in our lives. Now, I want you to understand something tonight, that the Lord doesn't want us to be in a hurry all the time. He doesn't want us to be all stressed out. He doesn't want, to, want us to feel like, oh, I got to make it happen. I got to make it happen. I want you to understand that's the rat race of the world. And Jesus was never that. He was never in a hurry. He was never all stressed out. He was never, oh, i got to make it happen. No, he's the one that says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He knew what he was supposed to do. He knew that his, his purpose was to fulfill the will of the Father. I want to tell you, this old world, they'll try to get you running in circles as fast as you can and you end up not pursuing the will of God. Even as a young man... Of 12 years old, Jesus had a desire to fulfill his father's will. His family travels to Jerusalem, and I know a lot of you know the story, but they get ready to leave Jerusalem, or they leave Jerusalem, and they didn't even realize that Jesus wasn't with them. And then they go back, and they find him in the temple, and he's talking with the doctors of the law, and they're all upset with him. And he says, didn't you know that I had to be about my father's business? Most of us in here tonight are more than 12. We ought to know that we should be about our father's business. I just 
you know, it's easy sometimes for people to fall into this pattern where, you know, we love Jesus and everything, but we're just kind of living out our days. Make it count. You got to make it count. It's too important. By the way, when Jesus says, I must be about my father's business, it says they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. They didn't get it. And I want to tell you, if you really live your life for God, if you're really about the father's business, um, it's a good thing if your family understands but I just want you to understand that sometimes there's going to be some people who don't. They're not going to understand. But you still got to make it count. You know, it's like, why do you go to church so much? When I was 20, I was working as a bank teller and an older gentleman um, I say he's older. He was 20 years younger than I am now. But anyway, um, an older gentleman, he says, uh, he says, how come you don't go out like other young people do and party and all that? He says, I want to know what makes you tick. Jesus makes me tick. And we ought to have an eternal clock that's always ticking. Because I want to tell you, your life is like a mist that appears for a little while and then it vanishes away. We need to make it count. Not just watch it fade away, but make it count. You got to realize the things of this world, they just leave you empty. But when we live it for Jesus, we find such joy and fulfillment. Got to make it count. It's unwise to live your life chasing after pleasure, chasing after things, just being busy but not really making it count. After Jesus ministered to the Samaritan woman at the well, the disciples come back from town with lunch and they, they try to get Jesus to eat something. And Jesus says this, it's John four thirty four. He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Now, you see, what satisfied Jesus, he, he's saying, Listen, I don't need the food right now. There was something greater, something more that was his satisfaction. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. Jesus had been ministering to this woman. He's changing a life. And that woman has gone back into town and she's telling everybody about Jesus. And there's going to be many of them that will come out and believe because of her testimony. This is what Jesus cared about. This is the Father's will. This is His work. You remember from our passage in James, we talked about it's not us doing what we want. It's what the Father's will is. That's what's important. It's all about people. It really is. It's really all about reaching people. And we need to realize that if we're going to make our lives count, it is absolutely 
about people because that's what our Father cares about. I mean, in eternity, it's not going to matter how big your barn was, is it? It's not going to matter how much stuff you had. It's not going to matter how much money you had. Good grief, they paved the streets with gold. You think anybody's going to care how many billions you had walking on streets of gold? And I'm going to tell you the truth. There's going to be some billionaires who just barely make it in. And there's going to be some that don't make it in. That's right. You see, we just need to put things in perspective, the perspective of eternity, and make our lives count. Because what really matters in eternity is people. It won't matter how famous somebody has is or how many followers they have. Won't matter what accomplishments unless it had to do with the will and purpose of God. Because it really is all about people. You know, this earth and everything in it is going to burn with the fervent heat. That's what the Bible says. It's all going to burn. All of it. All of it. There'll be nothing left. The only thing that's not going to burn is people. And they're going to spend eternity somewhere. But everything else, it's all going to burn. The only thing that's going to matter in that day is people. And you see, the truth is, it's the only thing that matters now. I mean, all that other stuff, the only way that all that other stuff matters is in regard to people. And our Father, that's what He cares about. That's what this is all about. We need to never forget it. We got to make it count because really and truly... What will matter are the lives that we touch, the people that we took time for, the people that we went out of our way to love, the people we talked to about the Lord, the people we prayed for. That's what makes a difference in eternity. Ephesians 5, 2 says, And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. In the NIV, it says, Live a life of love. I'm telling you, our opportunities are limited, and so we have to make them count. Make it count. How do you do that? Live a life of love. <laughs> I use my sweet wife as an example a lot. Because a lot of the time I'm not a good example, but it's easy to use her for an example. You know, a few years ago when she was going through chemo, she'd be getting ready to go. And she would look at me with a big smile on her face. She's all excited. And she would say, I'm going to go be a blessing today. She was actually excited. She's going to go sit getting chemo 
And she's excited because she's going to talk to the people next to her about the Lord. And she's going to encourage the workers. She's going to shine for Jesus. I'm telling you how you can make it count. You see, uh, if she can do that when she's going through chemo, you'll... I ought to be able to make my good days count. You know what I'm saying? I mean, how much more should we be shining for Jesus every day when you feel good and things are going right? How much should you be shining, making it count? You know, the apostle Paul understood very well his life on earth was for a divine purpose, and that purpose was always about others. I want to read to you from Philippians 1, 21 through 25. He says, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Here's what's best for me, he's saying. To die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what shall I choose? I cannot tell, for I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with all of you, with all for your progress and joy of faith. He says, I got to stay for you. But he had this. It'd be better for me to go. Far better, he says. But I got to stay for you. That's why we're here. We're here for others. We're here to make a difference in somebody else's life. We got to make it count. See, we need to have that same mentality that he did. That we're here for somebody else's spiritual good. You know, we may not feel like we matter much or that we can be a positive influence in this world and those around us, but we just need to realize, you know what? None of us could do it on our own, but with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can. And we can walk in love. The Bible tells us to walk in love. We can do that. It doesn't tell us to do things we can't do. But we got to be willing to truly yield our lives to Him and allow Him to have His way in us. We're going to go to Romans 12, 1 and 2. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Remember, we talked about submitting ourselves to God. You present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. We first got to be willing to give ourselves to Him a living sacrifice. That means we live a life that is yielded to Him. We've submitted to him as our Lord. We can't even begin to do the will of God until we truly turn our lives over to him. And then he tells us, don't be like the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, we got to have the right mindset. Seek his kingdom first. That God is first in our life. And that what matters in this world is people. That's the most important thing. And I want to go back to James. James 4. We'll just start with 15 this time. 15 through 17. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord's will, 
we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. And the next verse, I want you to realize it's connected with a therefore. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. What's he talking about? He's saying that we got to yield our lives to the Lord's will. We don't just do what, what we want. We do what the Lord wants. And to, to him that knows to do good and doesn't do it, to him it's sin. Do what? Do the Lord's will. What's the Lord's will? It's for us to reach people. It's for us to help people. It's for us to love people. That's his will. Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And what was he doing? He was ministering to people. And you see, we just need to realize that's what this is about. That's how you make the most of it. That's how you make every day count. That's how you make your life count is by making a difference in somebody else's life. It's always all about people. Now, this won't be on the screen. I want to share something with you from 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And I'm going to read from, well, we'll just start from 7. It's all good. Just read the whole chapter later. Read the whole book. Verse 7, he says, So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters. We ain't nothing. Not without God. But God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his labor. There it is again. There's a reward according to our labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each, of, each one take heed how he builds on it, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day. He's talking about the day of judgment. The day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet so as through fire. And what is he talking about here? planting and watering, and God gives the increase. He's talking about people. And when this life is past, there'll be a lot of people who had a whole lot of wood, hay, stubble. They just lived for themselves. They just pursued after happiness. They just took care of number one. They just, maybe they made a lot of money. Maybe they were real successful by the standards of the world. Maybe, maybe they were popular. Maybe they were famous, but it all burns. 
But you know what's going to endure the fire? The lives that we touch. The people that we help along our way. And I got to tell you, every person in this room can do that. You can make it count. If we just, if we just take on this mindset that, you know, our, our life is like a mist that appears for a little while. And we, every day, just make it our mindset that I want to make today count. I want, to, I want to have an impact. I want to touch somebody's life. I want to encourage somebody. I want to help somebody along their way. Whatever it is, pray for people. That's one of the most powerful things. One of the most loving things you can do for somebody is just pray for people, you see. But make it count. It's all about people. All right, I'm going to quit. Stand with me. We're going to pray.